Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Elaine B and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2017. Today we're reading from the big book. We're on page 102, starting with the third paragraph and reading and commenting on two paragraphs. Today's readers are Sally A for the 12 steps, Rocky I for 12 traditions. Stephanie L., Jody E.Q., and Christine M. The reference number for yesterday's 10 o'clock meeting for Thursday, September 21st, is 10461. That's 10,461. The meeting, the reference number for this morning, 7 a.m. meeting, September September 22nd is 10462, that's 10,462. DOA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message of the, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sally A. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in New York, a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will, and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought the prayer that's not me. <laughs> Someone is unmuted. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry the message, this message, to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Sally A. In order to have a quiet meeting, we'll ask everybody to press star one to unmute, unless you're Rocky I, who's going to read the 12 traditions for us. Thank you, Rocky. Rocky I, star one to unmute. Good morning. Can you, can I be heard? Yes. Oh, hi. Those two seconds are the longest seconds. Okay. Good morning. This is Rocky I. Recover in Tempe, Arizona. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one but ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop drinking. I mean, to stop eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group are never endorsed, financed, or lent the OA name to any facility, any related facility or outside enterprise. Let's Problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our, our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group had to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such and never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for, uh, to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name and never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always need maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12. Anonymity and spirituality are a foundation Anonymity and spirit, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions that have reminded us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Rocky. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. 
In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 102, paragraph 3. And we're reading and commenting on two paragraphs. I will now ask Stephanie L. to begin reading. Good morning, everybody. This is Stephanie L., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. But some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for the spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. And, you know, I have a couple things that I wanted to um, touch on with these two paragraphs. The first one is um, some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. And, you know, I have three adult daughters and I have a mother, um, none of which are compulsive overeaters. Um, And my mother lives with us and we we all live together. Um, So she's got her treats and sometimes, um, you know, she's kind enough to kind of keep it in her little treat area. But sometimes, you know, I'll go to the store and pick something up that, she needs or my daughters come to visit and, you know, I know what they like and I'll, I'll keep it in the house for them knowing that they're going to enjoy it. I can do that because I'm recovered. You know, I don't have to tell my family, no, you can't have this stuff in the house. Um, I'm the one with the disease. They're not. And when I read this paragraph, I thought of the 10 step promises on pages 84 and 85, you know, for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. So I can have these things in my house for my daughters or for my mother because I have been placed in a position of neutrality. Now, if I was, you know, not recovered and white-knuckling it, I would have no business you know, um, buying these things or having it in the house, but I can today because that's a promise and that is a reality that I live today by the grace of God in this program. And then the second paragraph, oh my gosh, if I had come to this program and people were like, I can't believe you ate that. This is awful. And oh my gosh, I would have run as fast as I could. You know, it's true. A spirit of intolerance will repel other compulsive overeaters. When the newcomer walks into the rooms, You know, my responsibility is to love that newcomer. It's to share, you know, we share this terminal illness. Um, You know, I, my responsibility is to show love and understanding, share this common problem and share the solution. I love food. You know, compulsive overeating is, is, is going to kill me. If I, if I pick up again, it will kill me. I am clear. This is a terminal disease. 
But that doesn't mean that I can't share with humor or with love and kindness um, to the newcomer who's walking in who's just recently been beaten up by this disease. So, um, you know, I really see that as my responsibility and uh, so grateful to be recovered and grateful to be here this morning. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Stephanie Al. Who would like to comment on what Stephanie read today? Kelly S. John K. Kelly Kelly F. John K. Joan B. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. Paula D. Paula D. One more. Well, let's go with that. We've got Kelly S. John K. I think it's Joni B. Jody EQ and Paula D. Please go ahead, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service. This is Kelly S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, glad to be on the meeting. Glad to hear this passage and really glad Stephanie read the 10th Step Promises because to me that's what it's all about. You know, it's like I want to show people in my life, um, my family, my friends, my coworkers, that I have neutrality because, you know, we've all, well, at least I've been on diets many times, lost my 100-plus pounds over and over, but it was always white-knuckling. And the idea that, you know, we've heard this in the meetings before that, you know, not only I'm abstinent for two and a half years, which is a freaking miracle, guys, because I've been around for 34 years and never even got a year. So the fact that I'm abstinent, you know, maintaining a normal body weight is a miracle. But what I used to hear in this meeting that I wanted so bad was not that I'm not compulsively overeating today. I don't want to compulsively overeat today. And that is the gift. That is the gift and the miracle that I want to show people because everybody in this world has been on diets, you know, and people are like, you know, how can you do it? And it's like, because I have that neutrality today, you know, I do, I'm, you know, just like um, Stephanie, I have adult kids and I have a partner and they all like to eat things, you know, and I spent my life saying, you know, I don't eat that. Mom doesn't eat that, whatever. And, you know, my experience is it doesn't matter what's in my house. I'm going to eat it. You know, I used to not have anything in my house and I still figured out what to eat. When my, when my disease is active, it doesn't matter. You know, I eat crap and I'm sure you guys have too. So, you know, I want to show people what the miracle is. Isn't that I'm abstinent? It's I'm happily abstinent. I have neutrality today. And you know what that's from? It's from working this program. You know, it's from staying close to my higher power. That was the thing. You know, I kept looking for a food plan. I kept looking for the perfect sponsor. I kept looking for the perfect meeting. I thought Vision for You was going to fix me. Well, guess what? It got me back to the big book, but I had to take take a look and realize I wasn't doing the steps. Listening to meetings obsessively every day doesn't get you recovered. I'm here to tell you that. Did that for a year. But anyway... So today, because with my higher power, I work these steps, I'm of service, and I show people in my life and my coworkers and my family that, you know what, not only am I abstinent, I'm eating normal, I'm okay, I'm neutral. And that is the hugest gift. I never thought I'd get that. So if you are a newcomer or if you've been relapsing and you're struggling, it really can happen because I had given up. I really had. But you know what? Thank God my higher power didn't give up on me, and these steps will work, you know. But the thing is, I had to do it all. As it says, half measures avail is nothing, which kind of sucks because it feels like I ought to get half. But guess what? You get zero. So anyway, grateful, grateful, grateful to be doing this and not intolerant today. Have neutrality. And my higher power and I are doing it with you guys. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kelly S. John Kay. You're up, followed by Joni B, please. 
Good morning. This is John Kiernan, recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. Um, you know, uh, I have plenty of booze in my house, um, recovered alcoholic, and that's fine. I mean, for the most part, the bar- bottles just get dusty on the shelf. You know, and there's also foods I don't eat. And we have uh, we have friends over for dinner, and sometimes they bring dessert. And uh, I long ago uh, gave up worrying about peer pressure to eat what they serve. Of course, most of them know and bring something I eat now, but... You know, it doesn't matter. My disease will try any way to get in, and peer pressure is a wonderful one, you know. You know, uh, you know. it's like, oh, my God, they brought it over. Or worse, oh, they made it. I can't insult them by not eating it. You know, now I, I don't really worry. I, I've got the – my favorite thing is to just tell people, I'm sorry, I'm allergic. You know, and that phrase seems to turn people's brains off on the subject, and that's enough for them. If they ask me, well, what happens if you eat it? I say, well, I, you know, I just break out in fat, you know. Um but in terms of the, you know, like the societal aspect they're talking about here, you know, my feeling on this is simple. This is my problem. You know, are there loads of foods out there I think are extremely healthy? Yes. Do I think restaurants serve an ungodly amount of food? Yes. But at the end of the day, you know, many people can eat that, those unhealthy foods and stop. And many people can eat a healthy amount of food at those restaurants and stop, you know. You know, I, I, I really think that, you know, I have a, an OA friend who rails against the food industry uh, and some of the things that they do. And, boy, I don't disagree with him about almost anything he says. But to me, this comes under the umbrella of the serenity prayer for me. I can't change a worldwide food industry. I can only change myself. And I think it's really important that we keep that kind of thing out of meetings as it diverts us from our primary purpose, you know, which is recovery from the addiction. Um but, you know, as it says in the in the reading, you know, if I talk about being in OA to a non-member of prospects, and then I get on a high horse about those kind of things, about how you people eat, this and that, I may inadvertently give someone a bad impression about OA, and they may need this program, and they may not get it as a result of me, and they may die of this disease. So I, I think, you know, that kind of thing is totally subvert the concept of the 12th step, which is what this chapter is talking about, you know. You know, we we can't carry the message to the compulsive eater who still suffers if we repel them with too much stridency. And it, at the end of the day, this is a program of attraction. And I think the best attraction someone considering the program could find in me is to see me sitting around lots of foods that I no longer eat. And I can tell them that thanks to the program and the steps, food is no longer a problem for me. And and if they want to know how the problem can be removed, root and branch, they can ask me, and then I can point them to this uh, this book. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, John K. Joni B, you're up next, followed by Jody E Q. Hi, I'm Joni B, a compulsive overeater in Southern California, and um, and I I enjoy this reading so much, and I know like for me that. Um, I, I too, I don't have a problem being around certain foods and, and I have friends who will say, oh, don't eat that in front of her. She, you know, can't eat sugar. And I remind them, no, I can, I can pick up, you know, X, Y, Z candy bar and eat it, but I choose not to. And I'm able to say that it's okay for me to be around it and that, you know, I don't have to be judgmental of people who are eating a certain way that I choose not to eat. And, um, you know, cause if, if I was to walk around and, 
you know, smack the ice cream cone out of every overweight person I saw and say, oh, I used to be fat like you. I mean, that's not going to help anything. And, um, but I do enjoy sharing my experience, strength, and hope when I'm asked about it. I may say, oh, you know, I stopped eating sugar a long time ago, and, and, um, and it's great. And if someone asks me, how did you do that, then I can share about the program. But it's that attraction rather than promotion, um, you know, because if, if we just ram it down people's throats, they're not going to want to have, you know, we have to have something that they want. And, um, and I'm grateful today through the program to have a life beyond um, what I thought possible for me. And just so grateful for recovery. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Joni B. Jody EQ, you're up next, followed by Paula D. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in Monterey, California, back home. So um, I am a foodie, I think, as many of us are. I'm a sh- I've been a chef. I've been a pastry chef early on in my life. So serving food to people is something that has come naturally to me. My, do- my mother died when I was 12, and I became the family cook. So I've served a lot of food in my life, and I continue to serve when it's appropriate. And when I serve people now, I serve basically what I eat um, because I find that they really enjoy it and they really appreciate it. Um, It's often more expensive to serve healthy food to people uh, when I'm in a position to be serving um, rather than buying something inexpensive uh, and refined. But I, I do that as a I feel it's a service to others, and they and they love it. Um, I do not show contempt if someone brings over a cake or a pie or something. That's fine, not a problem at all. I don't show intolerance or hatred. But when I'm in a position to serve, why would I serve something? I can I can serve something that they will love, and uh, and and just show them what's possible. Yes, they might like this or they might like that, but have they imagined what a truly ripe fig tastes like in season that I've gotten at the farmer's market? They, they often say, wow, this is so delicious. Or, a, you know, a date with uh, some goat cheese and a, a walnut on top. And they're, they're delighted with that dessert. Um, so I don't serve sugar. I don't serve flour. I, I serve healthier alternatives when when it's my turn to serve. And if they want to eat, they can, of course they can eat whatever they want to eat. Um, but I find that's um, best for me, and I feel good about it. With that, I pass. Thank you, Jody E.Q. Paula D., you're up next. Good morning. This would be Paula D., recovered by and with the grace of God. Just checking the time for a moment. As we come to this paragraph, I, I wanna, I'm going to back up just a bit to 85 as we read this. And it says, that is the miracle of it. So we come in with a miracle. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. 
We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. That whole thing. Who did the placing? I didn't do the placing. I never could. But when I remember I was placed in this position by God himself. Neutrality. Not above. Not above anyone else. Below. Not below. Neutrality. There I am. Safe and protected. And as we come into these paragraphs, I'm going to come... Moving right along here, we are careful, are you, never to show intolerance or hatred or drinking as an institution or food. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Page 89, to be helpful is our only aim. I was in their place and I am in my place now, in this place. I don't know where anyone else is. See, I come to have people, be with people, for people not for the food that is about. That has been placed in a backward place. It's not in the front. It used to be. That's what did the talking. How much did she put on the table? What did she put on the table? How did she make that? How did... That's not doing the talking anymore. It's gone far, farther and beyond that. It says here, and I'm going to go on with this here, we would not even do the cause of tempered drinking any good. For not one drink of a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. I don't hate it. Nor do I hate food. It sustains my life. I just didn't know, as far as with food, what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to provide nutrition, enjoyment, placed by God himself. Look at the colors we have. The beauty in a salad. If you don't see that yet and you're not there yet, intolerance no place for that at the table. No place for that. See, I today, it says very clearly, some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. I don't put, if I know someone is coming to my home, I don't put a big cake out or anything like that. But I had people from North Carolina yesterday put a spaghetti dinner out for them. I don't know what anyone can eat or how they can eat. If I do, I consider it. Wouldn't you do that for a guest? You would. You would. And you'd consider their feelings also. I'm not here at the dinner table to make judgments, to watch how much. And as far as good foods, oh, yes, there are many good foods. Uh, some people lose that kind of uh, good. They may not consider it good. I'm not here even for that. You know, it says here, and I'm going to end with this because I know our time is coming up. And on, on 69 it says, They think they do not have enough of it or there isn't the right kind. You can put this where you want. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow us to a flavor from despair, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of the controversy. Thank you, Reminder. Oh, thank you, and I'll end with that. We do not want to be the arbitrator of anyone's conduct. Not food conduct. That was sex conduct. So there you go. And I thank you for that gentle reminder, so sweetly done. With that, I do pass. Thank you. Thank you, Paula D. So we're on page 102 of the big book. We're reading and commenting on two paragraphs, uh, starting with the third paragraph at the bottom of the page. Who'd like to comment on those paragraphs? Charles H. Charles H. Leah T.D. Leah T.D. Sherry D. Sherry K.D. And I heard one more. Who was that? Millie D. 
Uh, it's Millie. I have a cold. Millie. Hi, Millie. Gotcha. Hi. Gotcha. Anybody else want to share? Katrine H. Katrine H. Okay. I have Charles H., Leah T.D., Sherry K.B., Millie B., Katrine H., and please go ahead, Charles. Thank you, Elaine B. You know I love you. You know it. You just know it. <laughs> Charles H. will recover compulsive overeating. Um, I love what it says here. It's actually saying that it, it's just stupid to do that. Um, you know, we can want to be helpful and, 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 and just be stupid at doing it. We can't. We're, we're repelling people from this fellowship that's already in dire straits of support. You know, you shouldn't, you should. We don't know what you, what another person should. You know, and, and, and you know what's so great about this um, this big book? You, tr- you interpret it any way you want to. No one can tell you, oh, you know what? She said it, so I should do it that way. That's like another sick and suffering, whether you recover or not, say, hey, you know, you should need that. How, how do you know what this person needs? Are you a doctor? We got to stop playing doctor and overrated anonymous too. We got to stop giving people food plans. We got to stop twisting people. We got to stop pulling at their ears. We're not animals in here. We're we're compulsive overeaters. You know, we can share our experience, but we shouldn't turn our nose up against people. Because so the big book says it clearly on one or two that it's stupidity. Don't be a witch burner. Don't forget, right? Because your allergies is not everybody else's allergies. So we need to be, um, you know, we need to interpret it the way you want to. And, 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 but we shouldn't be turning our noses up because somebody's eating something that you can't eat. Maybe you're jealous. I don't know. Maybe you ain't feel it. <laughs> Maybe you're selfish. Maybe you're dishonest. I know I turn into a pumpkin every single day. So I thank God. And, and um, yeah, and that's it. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you, Charles H. Leah T.D., you're up next, followed by Sherry K.B. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for all the people in the meeting, and I, I love this meeting. Um, I was thinking about, you know, the, um, which reminds me of actually the story as a doctor's opinion when the doctor meets uh, this guy that a year prior you know, suffered from, you know, left brain and really nearly died. And then the next year that he met him, he could kind of, you know, his voice sounds familiar, but he couldn't put his finger where he met him and who this guy was. And when I look at my own life, this this was my experience with, with food. You know, from a person who had no control, no power over food, to someone who can have food that I don't eat in the house, and it doesn't even bother me. It can rot, it can fail in the freezer, or whatever it is. And it doesn't really, I don't even know it exists. It's not in my radar. And uh, I used to share that a lot in meetings, that my husband is a recovered alcoholic drug addict, and he has been for 33 years, 
he never stopped drinking because he worried about his liver, you know, or his health, or he was going to die. You know, he drank until he couldn't drink anymore. And that was my experience, you know, at the end of my eating career. It was not about, oh, my gosh, you're going to die from, from overweight or this is not healthy for you. It never was. I, I, I couldn't stop eating. And uh, I didn't stop eating because I was worried even about my weight. I didn't even care if I'm going to lose the weight or not lose the weight. I just wanted, I couldn't do it anymore. And, and a miracle happened to me. I'm not the same woman that was. And I know that it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with um, this incredible program, God, that freed me from it. You know, and I was, um, I reflected back in my early, you know, almost, almost 80, 18 years ago when I just got, uh, when I was separated from uh, food for the last time. There are things that I did over the years that even are not healthy at all. I remember drinking Diet Cokes like it was water. It's just like gallons of Diet Cokes. And I had a wonderful sponsor, I started on the gray sheet, and she said, because uh, I said, wow, is, am I not abstinent? And she said, you drink that Diet Coke. As long as you're eating your three meals, or eight meals, you drink that Diet Coke until, you know, you're done. And God will remove it from you just like he removed the food. And she was right, you know, and there's so many other items on my today. My food looks like, like a health, healthy nut, health nut. You know, and it's not because of anything that I have decided. Everything that I have is a gift from God. God freed me from attachment to certain foods, you know. And I, I'm the type of person that each and every day I can. I love you all. Have a great weekend. I pass. Thank you so much, Liat. Um, Melody, you're up next. Oh, no, sure, KB. You're up next, followed by Melody. Thank you so much. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everybody. Today, KB in Northern California. Grateful recovery compulsive eye reader. Thanks for your service, Elaine, and everybody on the line, and happy Friday. Um, some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholics, but some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. Um, uh, each family is individual, and so depending on our own circumstances, we decide for ourselves. Um, those are very important instructions. And, you know, I, I love that because, you know, I'm not here to tell you how you ought to do it. You're not there to tell me how to do it. I need to decide for myself. If I'm recovered, um, I, I can do this. I can serve it in my home. I can serve it to others. If I'm not recovered, for me, this is just my personal belief, I have no business doing that. Um, if I'm, you know, uh, white-knuckling it or, you know, flying whatever, I can't, for me, I can't do that. But that's not to me to tell you. Um, also, you know, love, patience, and tolerance is our code. So, you know, the spirit of being tolerant, um, you know, is important to to other people and carrying the message. Um, because sometimes I might be the only message somebody sees. So I have to remember I'm not only carrying uh, this message, you know, this message in this book. I'm not sharing I'm not carrying Sherry's message. I'm carrying this message. And so I'm also thinking respectfully. Um, of OA as a whole, and that you know I'm I'm the ambassador of of OA as well. So I need to carry that, 
And also I just think of, you know, there's a lot of things in Step 9 that gives us instructions. So not only love, patience, and tolerance is our code, but being calm and, and frank and having a calming manner um, to me when discussing these issues because everybody's got a different opinion. And so I just really respect what, you know, how other people feel because I did actually have a sponsor once that told me, Sherry, you can never eat a pineapple because you're going to binge on it. And I was like, really? And so I said, well, you know, um, I like pineapple as much as if maybe you climbed up a tree and cut it down and opened it up and it was fresh, maybe I'd eat it. So I cannot compare my alcoholic foods to anyone else's alcoholic foods. Um, and we're all different. And so I, I really respect that. And um, that goes for um, not trying to tell somebody how they should do this work or anything. All I can do is point to this book and say, this is what I know. This I can give you my experience, strength, and hope, and that's it. Um, and I just, I'm just so grateful for this. And just I always think of um, based on attraction rather than promotion. And um, I'm not only caring, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a representative of OA as a whole. Um, and I, I am part of Visionary, but Visionary is part of OA. It's not apart from OA. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Millie you're up next, followed by Katrina H. Hey, this is Millie D. In, uh, right outside of San Diego. And I'm, I'm very hoarse this morning because I'm sick. But I live alone, and so I'm in the position that I do not have to bring those things into my home. But the holiday season is coming fast upon us. First, we have Halloween, where they call it the Bermuda Triangle. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and um, there's a lot of stuff around. And for Halloween, instead of buying candy at my house, I buy little stickers for the for the people. And um, when it comes to having stuff in my house, it's not that I never have stuff, because my clients will bring me candy and things. And if I think my family's going to enjoy it, I bring it home, and I can put it on my counter and leave it there until I see them at Christmas and take it to them and it does not call me. I can have my family over to my house and they can bring stuff. And I tell them, you know, please take your, your things home with you. If you don't, I'm going to throw them away. Because it would be insane for me to keep them here because I live alone. And it, it, it's ridiculous. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So, and God has restored me to sanity around that. So if they leave it, I, I dump it in the trash. Or if I think it's something my clients might like at work, I take it to them. So, you know, before, um, 15 and a half years ago, before I became abstinent, I um, would savor all that stuff here at my house, and I would binge for days, weeks, God knows how long, on all that crap. And, uh, pardon my language, and um, I don't have to do that today because I am in a position of neutrality. I can, uh, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, my clients can eat stuff in the, while I'm doing their hair in the chair, and, and I don't eat it happily. And sometimes it promotes a talk, why don't you eat it? Most of them already know that I don't eat stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, if I wasn't in fit spiritual condition, 
all of that stuff would call me, and thank God it doesn't today. I am so grateful to be in this program and to be in this position of neutrality around food, and I can have it here in my house when my son comes or when my family comes and it does not call me. So um, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you very much, Mary D. And Katrina H., please go ahead. This is Katrina H. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hi, everybody, and thank you for everyone who's helping to put on the meeting. Um, I also have a cold, and my voice is not, you know, kind of normal. Um, so I love the fact that we're having this, reading this part of the book right now because it's something that I've been thinking about because I'm only on my, I think it's sixth day of abstinence. And... Um, I've been thinking about what can I, you know, what can I have in my house and my partner, you know, likes ketchup and is it okay for me to have it because he'll want to use it and, and, um, I, I don't believe that I'm, you know, I have not worked the steps fully yet. And so I don't believe that I'm, um, what would be considered spiritually fit. But on the other hand, I have, I, I have, amazingly enough, a certain amount of neutrality around the food. I, 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 I hesitate to say that because I, I feel like that's got to be a miracle um, because I have never, ever had that before. And um, even though, you know, in this last week since the convention, I've been craving, you know, stuff, but not not like I thought I would, not like... Not like, oh, my God, i got to go out and buy a bag of cookies or something. But um, I really have been feeling fairly calm about not eating sugar and not eating flour. Um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I'm... You know, I keep looking at, well, am I eating too much fat or blah, blah. You know, did I measure that correctly or that kind of stuff. But um, I I actually feel like as long as I'm not eating sugar and flour, which are my binge foods and my red foods, I I am so incredibly grateful. And I, I believe it has to be a miracle from God because I could never do this before. And so... Um, uh, so I'm still in the quandary, and I love the fact that, you know, that the guys who wrote the book had enough wisdom to tell, to say it's up to you whether you want to serve alcohol or not. It's up to you whether you want to serve your foods or not. And I'm just so grateful for this meeting and so grateful for my abstinence, and thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Katrine H., and hope you and Miller both feel better. <laughs> we have time for three more shares. Who would like to comment on the uh, last paragraph on page 102 and the first paragraph on page 103? Carolyn, Brittany. I heard Debbie. Carolyn, Brittany, and one more. Carolyn, Brittany, and any one other person like to share? Uh, Tom S. Uh, is that Tom S? Yeah. Okay, great. So we have Carolyn, if you could give me your last name, Carolyn and Brittany. Carolyn, Brittany, and then Tom S. Carolyn, please go ahead. Yeah, this is Carolyn C. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. 
Hi, great. I am um, Carolyn C., recovered in Colorado, just for today. And um, I came to the program about a year, just about a year ago. And I am trying to go back to that in these days to think about the person who's new to program and really kind of fretting about the food. And the thing that I held on to the most in the beginning was tradition number three in that, um, and I don't have it right in front of me, but that our only, um, you know, our only focus, our only goal is to not eat compulsively. And in the beginning, that was, that was the thing I held on to was to not eat compulsively or at least to observe if I was, what was driving me so that I could start to figure out what my abstinence plan needed to be. And there was a beautiful special edition on December 4th, 2016 by Esther C. that really helped me place more of a guideline around what my abstinence needed to be. And when I was working my spiritual program and connecting with that and finally accepted and became willing, just this immense amount of pressure was lifted from me, from the people around me, from the foods that were in my house, from the foods that I came into contact with. Um, Today, where I work every day, sometimes hourly, there's a candy train that goes around. And uh, if everyone's doing well, the candy train comes around. And it does not call to me it doesn't I I don't care and I'm not upset about it and I'm not angrily or bitterly saying that I don't want it and I thank people for including me for just you know for asking because it's just nice to be included even though it's not something that I would want to put in my mouth and um and it's just a beautiful gift and I think you know if anyone who's new to the program you're you're still feeling like what is this white knuckling or you know I don't know whether to keep something in my house or not do what you need to do but know that this is all about a spiritual program and as soon as you can connect with what those foods are that call to you and just let that go and work the steps like your hair's on fire God will provide you with the grace that you need and if you're feeling it early on hold on to that just enjoy it who cares whether it's a, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a day at a time program. And today, enjoy the fact that you're experiencing neutrality. And I am enjoying that as well. And I hope everyone else has a beautiful, absent, neutral day with food. And thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Carolyn C. Brittany, you're up next. If we could have the first initial of your last name, that would be great. I want to unmute Brittany. Can you hear me, Elaine? Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, Brittany, recovered by Grace out of Spokane, Washington. Um, Brittany M. Sorry about that. Brittany M. Um, so this morning, what's really jumped out at me, um, and it's based on the experience I had yesterday, and so it says, you know, your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximal help maximum helpfulness to others and then the end at those two paragraphs it says that 
we feel that each, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. And it's really interesting for me this morning because it's, um, it's getting me to check my motives for being helpful. And, you know, in the big book, it talks about altruism um, as being helpful and, or doing something for another person and not expecting anything in return. And it's interesting because um, in some of these situations, it's, it's kind of my judgment that I know what's best, especially if it's worked for me and when I see someone struggling. But the first thing that I'm recognizing today is, do they even want my help? Have they even asked for my help? And um, it also reminds me, I'm riding, I'm riding around right now with um, some notes. Someone said, you know, hey, it sounds like you should do some digging on the third step. And, um, you know, kind of what I'm seeing here uh, in regards to this, this helpfulness is, um, it's not the Brittany show, right? And um, so some of the notes that I have here that just really just resonate this morning is the avenues that I am championing may do more harm than good. These are the limits of my own understanding. When I have a sense of urgency to help, it's not from certainty that I know, but it's from fear. For me, sometimes it's um, a fear that, that I need affirmation to be right. I need validation that I'm on the right path. And um, a reminder that I can no longer pretend to know what's best. And I love this too. Time will change and even reverse some of my present opinions, um, which just reminds me that uh, I can refrain from judgment and stuffing my opinions down others' throats. And so, um, and usually really using that sense of urgency as a barometer for me today. So that's all I've got. Uh, thank you, Elaine. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Brittany. And Tom asked, um, you have about two minutes, if that's okay. Please go ahead. Start one to unmute, Tom. Uh, hi, this is uh, Tom S. from Illinois. Um, and this is my first full meeting. I just heard about you know, five, ten minutes, a couple, couple days ago. And um, just briefly what I want to, or what, what I've heard makes me think of is the whole concept of neutrality is something that has um, uh, avoided me, or I've avoided it. And um, for the last eight uh, holiday seasons, I spent alone uh, because of that, um, including, you know, the 4th July, uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day, and Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, you know, just, and that's something that uh, I heard a term too, not just being absent, but being happily abstinent, which really strikes a chord with me as something I, I hope to achieve. And um, so I, this meeting's got a neat feel to it. I'm glad uh, one of my old friends told me about this. It's not like a rah-rah, pom-pom, cheerleading meeting I've heard. It's not a pity pot party. <laughs> it's got a good comment, good vibe to it. And uh, so I kind of like it. But um, every time I hear the promises, I forget which one, that talks about neutrality, I, I feel like it's like a stab in my back, like, oh, that hurts to hear that because it's something I don't have yet. And I, although I have some positive recovery, I'm much better than I was a couple of years ago, I, I know there's more than my higher power has given me to tap into. And I feel it's a slap in the power's face if I don't 
do my best to achieve that. I still have options. You know, some of us may reach a point where we don't have options. And so I'm determined to uh, try to tap into whatever is possible for me. Uh, thanks for letting me share. That pass. Thank you, Thomas. Please coming in. Please stay on the line. We'll be greeting newcomers in just a couple minutes. And thank you, everyone who shared. We'll now transition the meeting by reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will J.E.Q. please read a vision for you? Yes, I will, gladly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you 